Hey, good afternoon. Gabe DeArmond here. Welcome in to the final PowerMizzou.com live show of Missouri basketball season. Drew King going to jump in and join us in just a minute. Want to thank you guys for joining us. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, all that. We're still going to be doing things, uh, just maybe not quite as regularly, um, not on a weekly basis, but we are still going to be doing shows on YouTube and podcasts and all that. So uh, do all the, the things that help us out on YouTube. Feel free to add your comments, your questions, all that. We'll get to those throughout the show. want to remind you guys, we've been brought to you all year and one final time by James Carlton State Farm Insurance. Get in touch with James at carltoninsurance.net or give him a call at 314-961-4800. Actually did uh, have a chance to uh, kind of touch base the other day. And James has heard from you guys and has gotten in touch with some of you guys. So some of you guys are now his customers. And certainly we appreciate that. Uh, if you have not yet done that, reach out to James. He's going to try to get you a deal on your insurance. And if he isn't able to do that, if he can give you a quote and you tell him you heard about it on Power Mizzou, he's going to donate $20 to every True Tiger Foundation and Power Mizzou's a uh, specific arm within that Mizzou's NIL collective. So we're bringing in Drew King now. And uh, Drew, nothing really specifically to talk about because we did 19 live shows from Sacramento right. last week. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, just kind of uh, overarching thoughts, year one in the books, and we kind of moved forward into what has now become a season of its own in, you know, portal season for Missouri. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, just not to overlook the season we just have, but but like that was a pretty good first year out of Dennis Gates. Um, I don't, I said it, you know, kind of before the season with kind of the situation that he had. Um, you know, I I think that he put together just about the best roster that he could given the circumstances, right? By by bringing in all those new guys, um, and you know, I don't think like we said before, people expected it to turn out the way it did with them winning 25 games. But um, man, like that's going to be a really fun team to talk about a couple of years from now, a, a team to look back on. Um, so yeah, I think it was just an awesome year for basketball in general, but Mizzou basketball specifically. Um, and so going into this off season, um, you're wondering like, what can Dennis Gates do to make this even better, right? Because it was is already a really good team, um, and they're losing some pretty key pieces. And so um, the question becomes, you know, what about this is sustainable long term? Right, agreed. And uh, you know, I I should have mentioned this right off the top, but uh, I, I posted on the message board today. This is the one year anniversary of Dennis Gates being announced as Missouri's basketball coach. It's March 22nd, 2022. Um, there are some old takes exposed out there to be had, certainly, from uh, from this day a year ago. But look, the the only guy that I think was hired last cycle that anybody could argue had a better season than Dennis Gates would be Jerome Tang at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't think anybody else. No, and if you look at SEC coaches specifically, like that was one of the reasons Dennis Gates had a really good case to be coach of the year was because um, he he kind of did a lot better than everybody else in the conference, um, especially 
the first year head coaches, the five of them that were coming in. Yeah, for sure. And uh, do want to again, uh, first of all, Jared, thank you, sir, for wow. uh, for for tossing a little bit of uh, money our way as you have done throughout the year. And it, like Jared brings up a good point. More than anything else, this season was a good time. Um, we enjoyed it. I think you guys enjoyed it. We we had fun being able to to kind of talk about it here and and certainly write about it. I mean, it was it was an enjoyable team to cover. Uh, felt like we got to know some of the guys a little bit and and a little bit better um, out in Sacramento last week. So, Jared, really appreciate that, man. Um, thank you for for being here with us. Uh, you know, most weeks and and like I said, it, it seemed like a whole bunch of times last week. And and again, uh, I, I see your comments, and we're going to get to those kind of in the second part of the show. But I wanted to do just kind of some big picture stuff. So somebody had asked me this question the other day, and, and I'm curious what what you would say, Drew. When was the moment that you kind of started to take this team seriously? Like, okay, hang on. Maybe this is better than we thought it was going to be. Probably the Illinois game. Um, I think after that one, it was like, oh, like, uh, I think that one kind of confirmed what I kind of thought of the team, which is that they were pretty squarely going to be on the bubble um, with a chance to get to 20, get 20 wins. Um, and then that Kentucky win made me think like, no, it's like, they're going to be better than everybody thinks yeah. that they are. Um, so, I, and it, it's funny too, because it was really DeAndre Golston's buzzer beater in the UCF game that I feel like turned everything around for them because yeah. they were coming off that Kansas loss. Right. And, and, you know, all of their wins to that point were against, you know, mid majors and then like the overtime win over Wichita state, which um, retrospectively, like, wasn't really all that impressive. Right. And, and so um yeah, I, I think that that Illinois win where they just came out and was the better team from buzzer to buzzer, um, I, I think that was probably the point of the season that made me think like, okay, they're, they're going to be good. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the moment when I thought, thought it. It was six days later because the Illinois game, like, don't get me wrong, I, I would argue maybe the Illinois game was their single most impressive game of the year, but also kind of in the back of your head was – hang on, is Illinois good? And mm -hmm. okay, maybe this was just one night. Maybe this was a fluky thing. Well, six days later after Christmas, they came out and did the same thing to Kentucky. And that was the point where I said, okay, this is not an accident. This is, there's yeah. nothing fluky about this. This is actually a good basketball team. And and the other thing I kind of wanted to wanted to do here, and, and I think you might've just mentioned one of the three, but, you know, give me, I don't care. It's a game. It's a shot, whatever. Give me kind of your top three moments of this year. Oh gosh. Top three moments. Um, you know, I, or, I'm actually, or, or not even necessarily three best, just the three that kind of maybe stick out to you. you yeah. Know? Okay. So I'm, I'm actually not going to include the UCF uh, game winner. Cause I, I wasn't in person for that one. The Tennessee game winner was pretty impressive to me, especially like the way that they won that game, being ahead by 17, giving up the lead, and then eking out that, that shot from half court was was pretty crazy. Um, I'd say that Nick Honors' uh, game winner in overtime against Mississippi State, that one made us all fall out of our chairs when we saw it happen. Um, 
And then number three, I'll say like pretty much any Aiden Shaw dunk that happened this year. (laughs) That was my favorite thing to watch in every game was just the way that he was able to get up above the rim. He's awesome to watch. Yeah, I. it's weird that I I think two of my three are against the same team. Um, But I'd say number three is is just kind of making it to Saturday in the SEC conference tournament. Um, had the win over Tennessee, you know, the 10 to run to finish uh, number two, I think is it's, it's the Golston game winner. Um, but it's the entire last eight seconds. It's hang on. They just won because the other team committed a lane violation. Not only is this team good, this team also appears to be lucky. You know, it was also so, like Sean East telling Santiago Vescovi, like, you're going to miss one of these. Like, right. Just right. knowing. And, and so, so that one stuck out. And then, like, I don't, having been here for this whole time and covered this program for this whole time, it's winning a game in the NCAA tournament. I, I mean, it's, it's the second half against Utah State and specifically the, the, I think we called it the Kobe Brown legacy game, right? The, the, mm-hmm. Hey guys, just give me the ball. I'm going to carry you to this second round. And I, I know there have been some people that it said, somebody just said it to me this morning, actually, it felt like they won a game and just thought, okay, they've, they've done everything they, they came to do when they relaxed a little against Princeton. First of all, I don't think that's given Princeton enough credit, but also second mm-hmm. of all, if that's what happened, I don't even blame them. Because to me, that was the whole thing. I mean, I said on Saturday morning, I don't care if they lose to Princeton by 20 points, there can be zero complaints about this season. So blame yeah. me for speaking it into existence if you want to. But like, it, it, to me, I mean, that is more than anything else he did. He got that monkey off the back of this program. And now you don't go into next year with just, like you're going to go into next year with the, pressure and the expectation of needing to make the tournament again but you don't go into it with this oh my god how has Missouri not won a tournament game since 2010 yeah exactly Gabe we also we forgot one like crucial part of the season which was Ben Sternberg's debut coming into the game um taking three dribbles and then pulling up from half court um and and making it in in his first his first game as a Missouri Tiger so I, I wanted to include that in there as well Fair point. Also, anytime Des Moines Hodge pulled up one on three and shot a three pointer <laughs> on the break, that was my favorite. That my very favorite thing about the season. I mean, I've said it a hundred times. I love watching the dude play. Um, he's he's my favorite Missouri player since Marcus Denman, just from a sheer basketball entertainment standpoint. Uh, that that's and before we get to the comments and questions, kind of curious on your thoughts on this because look it's probably going to get a little more common in the in the era of free transfers and all that Mm. but what what i think is kind of cool about this team is it's a lot of guys that are only going to be at missouri one year i mean some of them will end up more but like gomillion golston and hodge are only here one year and throw sternberg in there too Mm. and just in those nine months i feel like they have put them like Drake Olston is never going to be forgotten by Missouri. Yeah. You know, Des Moines Hodge is a lot of people's favorite player. Uh, Trey Gomillion, I think people gained an appreciation for him to do that in one year. It, like they've built up a lot of things that, that a lot of guys that stay places three and four years don't build up. Yeah. It, it, it was an interesting moment. Um, 
I'm trying. To, I think it was the LSU game, um, and it was the game that Demoy Hodge broke the season sing, single season steals record. Um, right. And he told he told us that he actually talked to to Phil Pressy before the season, and he realized like, oh, you've got like the Kareel steals steals record, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and Demoy goes, he's lucky, right? Like he's because <laughs> I would have caught him, <laughs> and right. I, I I think that's kind of like the type of legacy that they're leaving behind is that like, even though Des Moines isn't ever going to be on the top 10 in the program for steals or three pointers, like I think he's still going to go down as one of the best defenders and one of the best three point shooters that the, that the program has seen um, just because of what he was able to do this year. Yeah, for sure. And, and then you throw in guys like, you know, Noah Carter, Nick Honor, Sean East, we expect all those guys back, but, you know, to kind of really in half a career be able to to endear themselves to a fan base, I, I think says a lot. And, uh, you know, Sam says, curious to see who comes back next season and who they had transfer portal wise. And that really is the next few months. So just going to kind of start to go through some of these questions and comments and Eddie says Mosley's return next season seeming more promising with his Twitter interactions with DeMarcus Sharp. So for those who don't know, DeMarcus Sharp is a transfer from Northwestern State. I believe they played together at Missouri State. Yes, Um, that's correct. And so, you know, Sharp was retweeting a guy who had committed to Austin P. the Northwestern State coach committed to Austin P. Mosley jumped in and said, I assume you're headed there next. And that is where most people expect DeMarcus Sharp to end up. Now, DeMarcus Sharp came out yesterday and said he was considering Austin P. Loyola, Chicago, and Missouri. Well, that was only one day after he entered the portal. And as I put on our message board, we don't yet know that Missouri will, will take him. I mean, they are talking yeah. to him. They're recruiting him, but like if DeMarcus Sharp called Missouri today and said, I want to come, I think there's going to be a hang on. We got to see what else comes in the portal. Like yeah. we can't do this yet. Right. So I don't think Mosley is really in any way, you know, recruiting Sharp to Missouri or anything. Like I, I don't take that interaction as any indication about what Isaiah will do next year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like I, I think it's more their relationship that they had at, at Missouri State more than um, Isaiah trying to get DeMarcus to come to Missouri. And Isaiah could come back next year, Mm -hmm. right? Like he's got the year we have, and and hopefully most of you guys are subscribers and have been on the message boards. I mean, we have kind of debated this one to death, but Isaiah's one where like, this is a two-way street. Not only does he have to be ready to come back and want to come back, but Missouri has to want him to come back. And like, I don't know a a sensitive way to put that, but the simple fact of the matter is, you know, if you're investing a scholarship in a kid and stuff like that, like you only get 13 of them. That's kind of tough to do. If you aren't in a situation where, you know, he's going to be available and be a full member of the team. Yeah. And it's, it's tough too, because you think about what Missouri um, needs with this next roster, right? I mean, they're losing Isaiah Mosley. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Isaiah Mosley because they're losing Demoy Hodge and Deandre Golston, who are like two of the team's top three leading scorers. Right. Um, And Isaiah could 
be a really big factor um, if he was available to play. And I think that was just the main issue was that he was he was never available to play. Um, it was never made clear why that was. Um, but for whatever reason, it's it's hard to think that, you know, he's going to be the first option they go for um, when they look at who to replace those two starting spots. Yeah, and, and like there once again, there's no bad feelings. Isaiah seems to like it here. His teammates and coaches seem to to like him. Um, but in the end, like yes, you want to help kids and you want to do right by kids, but you also have to win basketball games. And if you're just starting out saying everybody we play is doing that with 13 guys, and we might be doing it with 12, like I Basically, what I'm saying is the, the personal stuff, whatever it was, has to be ironed out before Missouri can commit to to doing that. Um, and and Bradley asked, I'm surprised it took three comments to get to this, but <laughs> Bradley asked the question, um, percentage chance Kobe returns. And and I always, Drew, I always make a joke of percentage questions because, I mean, either he does or he doesn't, right? Like, there's not a 57% chance he stays, 43% <laughs> chance he goes, but based on everything I've heard, like I would say the chances that he's back are better than the chances that he's not as of right now. I mean, like I don't gamble, but if you gave me some of your money and said, here, put this on Kobe at Missouri or Kobe not at Missouri next year, I would put it on Kobe at Missouri. Yeah, you know, it's crazy, Gabe. I was actually going to say 57% chance he comes back. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, but so I I was – Looking, I think we both did this. We kind of both looked at kind of the draft sites that are projecting mock drafts and all that. Um, and the highest that he's kind of listed right now is is middle of the second round, which, um, you know, I think that would get him a two-way contract where he's bouncing between the G League and the NBA somewhere. Um, I think the very best case scenario for him would be what happened with uh, Jalen Williams last year. Um, He was a junior out of Santa Clara, um, had a, you know, kind of a breakout third season in college ball um, and was listed in the middle of the second round um, going into March. And then he had this really good combine and, and rose all the way up into the lottery and got taken by the thunder. And he's been one of the best rookies in the league this season. Um, and so I, I think that that's what Kobe's like very best case scenario would be. Jalen Williams had a really good combine where like his measurements were good. He played in the scrimmage and, and looked dominant there. Um, so that's a pretty big uphill battle for Kobe to climb. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it's going to be a difficult challenge, especially because he's also a year older than Jalen Williams was right. at the time. So that's why, to me, it, it does seem a little bit more likely that he comes back for another season because I don't know that, um, you know, that going in the second round would be all that worth it. Right. And the 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 comp is really Drew Timmy from last year. Right. If you're looking mm-hmm. for a way for him to come back, it's it's I mean, Drew Timmy was an All-American. He had done basically everything he could do, but he also knew I'm probably not making an NBA roster next year. So all these crazy guys, or Oscar Shibwe, uh yeah. was in the same situation. All these crazy Gonzaga fans, all these crazy Kentucky fans, like, I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to make more money by coming back to school than I can make 
going and playing basketball, either in the G League or overseas or wherever it would be. And oh, by the way, I get to be big man on campus for another year, right? And I get to kind of cement my name in this program's history and all that. So that's really the pull. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Kobe goes through this thing and anybody tells him, we think you can go in the first round, he'll leave and he should leave. Mm -hmm. Um, But if that doesn't happen, that's where the decision comes into play. And it's, you know, I, I, I don't know if I said it on our show, but I've said it multiple places. Like the irony here is that the most important thing in Dennis Gates's first offseason was to keep Kobe Brown. And the most important thing in Dennis Gates' second offseason is to keep Kobe Brown, you know. And <laughs> and for everybody who, like, for all the NIL is going to kill college sports and this is the death of everything, if it keeps Kobe Brown in college, like, maybe Missouri fans shouldn't hate it too much. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a gift and a curse, right? Because I, I, there are definitely issues going on with NIL and college sports right now. But if it keeps like good players here longer, um, where they don't have to go over to, you know, the minor league in France to get, um, you know, money to help themselves a little bit. Um, right. I, I think that it's, it's a super beneficial thing, right? Because that's, if Kobe were a late second round pick, that's kind of the decision he faces, right? Is, am I going to go to the G League where they pay $40,000 a year to play? Um, do I go overseas um, where I can get that money, but you're also kind of secluded from everybody else? Or do I stay at Missouri for another season and maybe have the best of both worlds, right? So right. Um, I, I think that that's kind of where the NIL thing will, will play a factor. And Holy Shilt wants to know, how soon do you expect an announcement about anybody returning or committing? So Kobe's going to be a while. I, I think the, the deadline to withdraw from the draft is June 1st. It's right mm-hmm. around there. So Kobe's decision very well could take, you know, up until close to then. Um, but other than that, like other than Isaiah Mosley, I don't well, I shouldn't say I don't expect like an I'm back announcement because that's what kids do now. Like they get these graphics made and they're like, hey, I'm coming back. And it's like, well, of course you're coming back. Where, where else were you going? We knew you were coming back. I also, right? but, I also love that everybody gets a graphic too. Like right, uh, yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, like some kid who was a freshman who redshirted last year, coming back. Well, yes, we know that's that's what you're doing. Um, but like we joke, but like, I don't expect some grand announcement from like Nick honor or Noah Carter or Sean East. I think like we all expect them back. I think the Mm -hmm. only announcement we need to pay attention to is for some reason they would say they are. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and I would expect, you know, cause I I think that you wrote yesterday in, in kind of our transfer tracker, like if Missouri's roster like just stands as it is with the new guys coming in, they're over the scholarship limit. So something has to get worked out where they are able to fit everybody in. Um, Right. And that, and let's be clear, that includes Isaiah Mosley coming back on scholarship, which we don't know about. That -hmm. includes Mabor Majak coming back on scholarship, which I kind of get the feeling that was a situation where it was like, Hey, we only have 12 scholarship players. So the 13th is yours for this year, but I don't know that he's necessarily guaranteed to be on scholarship next year. Yeah, I agree. Well, and because from what I remember, like Dennis talked about him being a walk on. -on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I kind of agree with you there. I, I don't know that um, Mabor being on scholarship is, is part of the long-term plan for the roster. Yeah. Uh, Kyle says, how active of an offseason do you expect? I mean, active. Uh, like, I would be surprised if they don't add at least two more guys to this roster and lose – you know, at least two. And and I think it very well could be more than that because that's just how college basketball is now. I, I read yesterday there were already 616 kids in the portal. Oh, and, and like, there's a lot of, like, I mean, there's 16 teams that aren't done with, well, plus I guess a few in the NIT. There's like 20 teams that aren't even done with the season. Yeah, that's very true. Like, it's a lot that's going on in the portal. Um, and I think it's interesting too, because there's some SEC players, like good SEC players who have put their name in the portal. Um, so I'm, I mean, I don't know what Mizzou is going after. Like, like we said, we'll, we'll have to see what they lose, but um, I think that there's some real names that they could um, realistically have a chance with. Right. That are and and right I now. mean, what, what, the thing that nobody can expect because you don't expect it, but it's happening. Like I can't remember the kid's name and I couldn't pronounce it if I could remember it, but like a starter at Arizona is transferring, you know, mm -hmm. like, I, I mean, they were a two seed and he yeah. started, but like, I, you know, it, it's kind of the old, why is he, why does a dog lick its balls? Because it can, that's why kids are transferring because they can they just like want to see a different place, man. Uh, you know, so that's that's what's going on. That's my crass analogy to the thank you basketball for the transfer portal. <laughs> um, Stuart says uh, if a lot of these potential returnees do in fact come back, there aren't really very many places. Yeah, but again, and I've said this for twenty years, the question is how many spots do they have, and the answer is always how many they need. Like. If there is a guy that they like in the portal, if Jaron Stevenson wants to classify, whatever, they're going to figure it out. And, and, and here's the other dirty little secret about college sports in the NIL era. You don't got to be on scholarship to be on campus. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there are kids at, I would venture to bet every power five school in America, either in football or basketball, who we all just assume are scholarship players who are actually getting their school paid for with NIL money. Um, that is because the rule of college sports is put in a rule and the coaches are going to find the loophole and that's the loophole. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting too, because like the NIL stuff is not public record too. Right. So like you, you can't necessarily prove that right. that's going on, but it's going on. No, it's a hundred percent going on. And I mean, like coaches will tell you it's going on. I don't even think mm -hmm. they're necessarily trying to hide it, you right. know, <laughs> because there's nothing illegal about it. Right. I, I mean, how do you say, like, you can't say, well, this kid isn't allowed to walk on and pay for his own school. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, if somebody wants to pay him 200 grand, not only can he pay to walk on and pay for his own school, he probably pockets 130 grand a year. Well, there was um, a quarterback at Texas State this past season who was in a similar situation. He he was a walk-on and, and basically said, you know, my parents can, you know, afford to send me here, give my scholarship yep. to somebody else. So, um, yeah, that was a good comparison there, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, True Divinity wants to know, is Mizzou more competitive nationally in basketball for NIL than they are football? I mean, here's the thing, guys. And, and we've reported this because I've talked to the people. They're more competitive than you give them credit for. This is not poor Missouri can't afford players. Like, that doesn't mean they're going to get them all. That doesn't mean they're going to spend, you know, $13 million on a quarterback. But they're competitive with the vast majority of college football. Now, does Texas A&M have more money to, than they do in football? Does Kentucky and basketball? Yeah, probably. Um, but they are absolutely competitive, kind of commensurate with with what you would expect out of a program like Missouri. Uh, Kyle says, whose development is more important for next year's team, Shaw or Diara? And mm. curious what you think about that, Drew. That's a good question. Um, for for just next year, I would say Muhammad Diara. He's a little bit bigger. Um, I think he, he proved a little bit more this season. Um so I, I think, especially on the boards and in terms of protecting the rim, I would say that they need Diara to be somebody who can uh, contribute a little bit more regularly. Okay, see, and, and I would, I'm actually going the opposite way. I think it's Aiden Shaw because he's got three years left. And like Aiden Shaw, I think, is a guy that you can see being an excellent college basketball player, like mm -hmm. a, a very good player. I think DR's ceiling is just lower than that. Um, you know, and so I understand what you're saying next year about DR, but to me, like Aiden Shaw needs to start on next year's team and then be looking at if you want this program to go where you want it to go, then his junior year, we're talking about, hey, Aiden Shaw might make an all SEC team. Yeah. You know, um, so so that's the way I would lean with that. Um, Eddie wants to know who fits better in Gates system, Fardaz. Amok or Eddie Lampkin or any other bigs you're eyeing. So, Drew, here's what you're going to find out about the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. As soon as a kid is publicly connected to Missouri and we bring him up, like then the next five days are spent inserting this kid into various lineups and figuring out how many wins he's worth. This is right. what we do <laughs> on the internet. Um, look, I'll just tell you straight up. Uh, I saw Ferdos Amok was in the portal again. He was a guy that Missouri offered last year didn't really gain any traction with went to Texas tech. I reached out to somebody I know um, down in, in toward Lubbock and said, Hey, heard anything about, cause I guess he followed Gates on Twitter again or something. I mm -hmm. said, Have you heard anything about where this kid's going to go? The answer was real simple. Whoever gives him the most money, you know? So he didn't play very much this year. Um, Eddie Lampkin, I know had some tough things go on and left TCU in kind of a, a weird situation. Conzo Martin offered him. He's a really good player. I mean, I think he's, he's more proven at this level, um, than, than Amak is. He's, uh, you know, he, he's a bigger guy, but like, Hey man, they need somebody that can go get rebounds and, and maybe block a shot here and there. Like I, I, I don't, and, and I think Lampkin maybe is a little bit more athletic. I could be wrong. Uh, Faradaws might be a little more versatile, but I I don't know that you'd necessarily turn down either one. Yeah, I I agree. I think that Gates could probably um, utilize either guy. Um, I I think that Lampkin fits a little bit better. I, I think he, just because of the athleticism, like you mentioned, get up and down the floor a little more. Yeah, can 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 run the floor a little bit better. So I I would lean Lampkin there. Um, but I don't know. I mean. Fardaz might work pretty well. So, yeah. Like, I, I could yeah. see it. 
Yeah. Uh, Adam wants to know if Caleb Brown's scholarship is tied to what Kobe Brown does. Um, look, man, I, I don't know. Um, only the coaching staff can really answer that. Um, you know, it's, I, I, it's a, it's a tough topic to talk about because like, I think we all know the reality, but you know, Dennis has been pretty um, clear. Hey, don't call him Kobe's brother. He's his own guy, all that. So, you know, if you're going to say that, then you got to treat him that way too. So I, 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 I don't really, I would say the chances are better that Caleb Brown is here next year. If Kobe Brown is here next year, is that, is that a, decent enough way to put it yeah i think that is um you know and i'll I'll say too though like i don't think that caleb necessarily would want to leave if kobe isn't here um you know talking to kobe and and his dad um you know it it sounds like they they really like being in missouri um but yeah i i think it probably is a little bit better if his brother is still around next season yeah uh, Schilt says if Mosley and Kobe both come back, Mizzou could run a four-man lineup of 40% three-point shooters. This is what I love about this time of season. Everybody great, man. Everybody's great. And, it, like, look, it's much more fun to be talking about that than to be where we were 12 months ago today, which is, hey, there's this new coach, and how fast can he o- turn this roster over and get guys that can play at this level, right? So, like, yeah. I'm not trying to tamp down the optimism. I, ju- I just – it is pretty funny how quickly you go from, oh my God, the despair of the season's over because you lost your last game to to immediately looking forward to next year. But look, that's the sign you've got a program uh, people are interested in. Is Mizzou going to have someone who actively attempts to rebound next year? <laughs> this is why I brought up Mo Diara in the, in the last question. I was just like, you know, Mo, Mo will actually go and try to get a rebound. And Aiden Shaw did look like he was trying down the stretch. He has there. to be that guy. Yeah. yeah I, I, well, especially like with the vertical, um, if he puts on strength and is able to kind of move guys around, I think he'll, he'll make a big, better impact next year. Well, and here's the thing about the rebounding that I, I know it, Drew's tired of hearing me say this because I pointed it out every single game. But it wasn't just that they they didn't they weren't in position to rebound. I can't count the number of times they were actually in position to rebound, but they just seemed to have such a hard time grabbing the basketball. Like so many rebounds went off their hands this year and went to the other team that you're just going, I don't and like, I'm not saying they're a great rebounding team, part of that size, parts positioning, all that, but like, they just seem to have, a, you know, they always say like the football bounces weird because it's not round, but like the basketball is round. It shouldn't have been yeah. that hard to hold on to. I didn't understand <laughs> that part of it. I, I don't have an answer for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was, it was so very frustrating to me. There you go. Lost rebounds tipped off their hands. And, and part of it too, is teams shot a lot of three pointers against Missouri. So yes. there were a lot of like these rebounds that landed 16 feet from the basket, you know, but yeah. Um, like I really do think that a lot, like they need an hour this summer where it's just put on the, put on the shoulder pads, get out the tackling dummies and we're going to learn about boxing out. And because look, like it or not, no matter how good this season was in the end, it's why they're not playing this weekend. Yes, I agree with that. Um, I, or at I think least that, a big part of it. You know, I, and I think it wasn't 
that big of a concern for them because the mindset was always, we'll make it up in the turnover margin, right? Like, we'll get those extra possessions back. Yeah, but not always. <laughs> well, not against Princeton. Not that time. Um, well, well, and, like, you can get I, – I don't care if you're getting beat 42 to 34 on the glass. That's one thing. It's 44 to 27. I mean, that's that's not – that can't happen with a high major roster. Yeah. Um, uh, Gabe, and tell me what you think about this, you know, because we talked about how they're, you know, a little below average on the offensive glass, but it, it was the defensive glass where they were like second to last in the country, right? How much of it do you think is that, you know, because of the way they play, you know, that, high speed? That, that Du Bois Hodge was always at the free throw line yes. on the other end waiting yeah. for the pass? <laughs> exactly. Well, like, to be fair, yeah, you know, a lot of these. 70 foot effort Des Moines down there somewhere baseball passes don't happen if Des Moines is attempting to defensive rebound so that does play a factor no question yeah but I don't think you're right that it shouldn't play so much of a factor that they are the second worst team out of 363 of them right so I, I think kind of the last question we've got for now from Kyle and and this is really what I'm interested to see is this year's team what Gates' teams are going to look like, or is this a product of the roster he had? I, I'm curious if this is the defense he plays or if he played this defense because this is what the guys he had could do. Um, and I don't know. So Dave Matter and I were talking to CY um, back in Sacramento, and Dave asked, you know, how much of this system is Dennis and how much of it um, is, is Leonard Hamilton? And CY told us that the defense is very much Florida State's system, right? It, it's almost identical to what they do. And I think CY is a big part of that, the one three one zone and, and all of the trapping stuff that they do. But the offense was all Dennis, right? Like this is what he wants to do. This is how he wants them to play. Um, so it it might look a little bit differently. Every team is going to look different with, with new personnel, right? Um, but I, I think that holistically, like in general, I think this is kind of what they want the team to look like. Um, I think they just kind of want to do it with some taller they, athletes. Right, like they want it to be better. I mean, I don't think the goal is eighth on offense and 197th on defense. I yeah. mean, I think it would be eighth on offense and like 40th on defense, ideally. Right. Correct. Um, So, yes, you want to do better at, you know, closing out on shots, not being Bo Jackson running through the Seattle tunnel. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, well, guys, uh, look, we're going to have a little bit of an irregular schedule as far as the podcast. We'll do some, you know, if there's big news, we'll jump on here. We'll throw Gerard Hamilton in here every now and then. Sean Williams on on recruiting. Just kind of stuff that happens. We'll uh, we'll do shows and. And I'm gonna have the the true tiger shows with uh, with different athletes that we're doing, and uh, got got a good one this weekend that that you guys will be excited about. Just trying to to lock down the time and everything. Uh, so do appreciate you guys all hanging out with us here uh, throughout the season. It, it, it's definitely been, I think, a lot more fun than either of us anticipated um, that it was gonna be on November first. And uh, looking forward to the portal and all that. And um, we're only look we're three months away from SEC media days, so. Uh, 
I'm not gonna lie, we're gonna take some time off, man. We're gonna we're gonna recharge a little bit, but when news happens, we'll hang out here with you and talk about it. So thanks everybody for joining us. Um, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, uh, make sure you're sharing it on social media. Subscribe because these aren't gonna be regularly scheduled shows. So this way, when we go live, if you're subscribed, you're gonna get an alert. You're gonna know we go live. So if something happens. And we're like, hey, we need to do a show about this. You, you, if you're subscribed, you find out about it that way. And uh, one last time, I want to thank our buddy James Carlton at carltoninsurance.net. Phone is 314-961-4800. You can get in touch with him for all of your insurance needs if you're in Missouri or Illinois. You can also get in touch with him and get a quote and say, hey, I just want you to look, I, I already have good insurance, but I want you to toss $20 toward uh, Every True Tiger Foundation and Mizzou's NIL Collective. So, uh Appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks for everything Drew has done this year. And look, this is uh, this is just like temporarily goodbye. We'll be back at some point. See you. Yeah. Then.